Okay. So we, we started with this theme of learning about midot. Uh, midot being a devar shorshia, a very, very foundational element of our avodat Hashem, of our work as Jews. So the, we started this in the month of Kislev. That was our first one. This is part two of a series. I think we have about five of them uh, all together. And the goal was to pick the midah of the month. We actually have a tradition that every Jewish month has a midah associated with it. Um, and the goal was to dive into midot as a uh, foundation for our work. And we actually spent, in the last month, we spent a little bit of time, I, didn't, I wasn't going to repeat it, but actually we had a lot of new faces here. I brought one source that kind of frames the midah, because I also think it connects to the discussion that I want to have today about the midah of today's month, which is source number one. In source number one, the Netivot Shalom, the son of a Rebbe, he has a book called uh, Netivot Shalom, and in there he has different Netivim, different tracks. And the first one he opens up before Torah, before Tzvilah, before anything, is Netiv Hamidot. The Midot come first. And so he begins by saying, Lama Hamidot Hem Bashem. Why do we consider the Midot? If you look in any Sefer, the Rambam, the Ramban, any Rishon, any Achron, everything always starts with Midot. Why are the Midot that important? Why, why do they take precedence over everything else? And he, excuse me, and he answers, It's a mashal, it's an allegory, it's a mashal to an etz, to a tree. This tree can have a lot of fruit, it can have a lot of branches, a lot of leaves, but ultimately, the most important part of the tree is what? its roots. The only thing that's not visible, the only thing that you actually can't see that doesn't meet the human eye is the thing that's most important, which in and of itself is a very deep message. And just like you would have in a tree, you would say, if there was a problem with one of the branches or the leaves or the fruit, it's not such a big deal, right? You bring the gardener, he'll trim the branch, he'll, he'll trim the leaves, he'll take off the bad fruit. You could fix the problem. It's fixable. But if you have a problem with one of the roots, what happens there? Over there, you have to uproot the whole tree. Right? When it comes to the roots, foundation. that's something that's shoshi. That's the foundation of the house. That's the most important part. Right? He says, over there, that's why the midot come first. The midot are the shorashim. The mitzvot are the anafim. It could be that I'm not perfect in all of my mitzvot. It could be I need to improve this mitzvah or that mitzvah. Maybe I could do Shabbat a little better. Maybe I need to speak a little less Lashon Hara. You're right, I got to work on these things. They're right, I do. I have to, I have to work on them. I got to do some trimming. But ultimately, if the Midah is, is mistaken, if the Midah, if the foundation is wrong, that's an Akira. That's why we have to invest so much hard work into, excuse me, into Midot. That's, that's the, the framing. And, and the Etz is a, is a perfect segue into this particular month. In this particular month, we're going in, we just went, we just had Rosh Chodesh two days ago. We're in the month of Shvat. The month of Shvat is a very, very special month. The first thing the kids, if you ask kids right now, what do you think of when you think of the month of Shvat? They're good students. Then they will remember the first Mishnah in Masachet Rosh Hashanah. The first, first Mishnah you learn in Masachet Rosh Hashanah tells you there are four Rosh Hashanah in the year. There are four Rosh Hashanahs, right? We know of one. We know the famous one, an Aleph and Bet Yishrei, but really there are four beginnings to the year. Aleph Nisan is the beginning of the Jewish calendar year. You have for the Behemot, you have different for Rosh Hashanah. What's the fourth and most, most relevant one? 
We have the Rosh Hashanah La'ilanot. We learn, all the kids know the song, Rosh Hashanah La'ilanot, the beginning of the year for the trees, for the, for the, for the environmental world. And so, there's a machloket, you'll see it, oh, if you want to look well. inside, yafeh, Beit Shammai says, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and Beit Hillel says, Tu Bishvat. Very nice. Before we, d- we dive into this, often we think of Tu Bishvat as like this very childish holiday, it's so nice, we're going to have some fruit, we're going to have an environmentally friendly day, but let's get a little more sophisticated now as adults. Let's think about the meaning behind Shvat and Tu Bishvat and the idea behind it. What is so important to us, to Chazal, to the Torah about always comparing us to trees. What is the relevance of that? Added on to that, we'll say, why call it a Rosh Hashanah? You want to say, I have to be sensitive to trees. Okay, I want to be grateful to Hashem for the world He's created. Okay, so make a Thanksgiving day for trees. Make a day to be sensitive to the environment. But Rosh Hashanah has other connotations. Rosh Hashanah is Yom Adin. It's a day of judgment. It's a day of self-introspection. It's a very serious day to call it a Rosh Hashanah. Even more so, I'd say, you want to you you talk about trees? You want to have a day celebrating trees? Look outside. Is this the time period of the year where the trees are in full bloom? I, I'd understand a few months ago, they're beautiful. There's so many colors in the streets. In the spring, you'll have a blooming tree coming through. You'll have a bracha and Rosh Chodesh Nisan on the trees as they come through in the spring. Now, now we're talking about trees. What's, what's the shayachut of Dafka now, Dafka in the month of Shabbat, that we're reflective about this particular element? David HaMelech, in source number four, begins all of Tehillim with this question. Tehillim Aleph. Tehillim Aleph asks this question. It dives into it in the first three psukim. I'm going to read them quickly, and then we'll, we'll, we'll break it down. Tehillim Aleph says, Ashrei ha'ish, asher lo halach be'atzat reshaim, uvederach ha'taim lo amad. Skipping, ki im betorat Hashem chevtzo, uvtorato yegem amalaya. So who is this person? Ashrei ha'ish, the special man, he never followed the wicked or the astray. He never sat with the, the batlanim, the people who have conversations that aren't meaningful. He didn't sit in such places. What did he do? He always was involved in Torah Hashem. We're going to come up to these words. Torah Hashem and Torah We'll come back to these. And what does Pesugimah say? Who is this person who dedicated his life to Torah and stayed away from all these negative things? He's like a tree who is planted beside the stream of water. He gets flowery to describe this tree. What's he getting into? What's the depth of this tree? The trees, as we look at them outside, they all get the same, the same sustenance from the same place equally. It's the same water that's coming from Shemaim. It's all sustaining all of the world. Every living thing in this world, every tree, every element of vegetation is coming from the same place. Yet somehow that same water, that same ingredient, is leading to many different types of trees. But we're getting the same ingredient, yet some of us have fruits that are, fruit, that are sweet, some are sour, some have peels, some have shells, some, some have this color, that color, that texture, this texture. Everything's different. Everything's independent. Everything's individual. So every tree is taking from the same place. Every tree is absorbing from the same thing. And yet somehow it's producing something different, something individual, something independent. The Gemara teaches us 
That's what Pasuk Bet means. Ki im betorat Hashem. There's two types of Torah here. Ki im betorat Hashem chifza, Somebody who dedicates themselves, who completely immerses themselves in Torah Hashem and really wanting to understand and connect with the Torah of Hashem. Uv that can then bring out into the world how it manifests in his life. That means I'm going to Shior now with Alberto. We're going to Shior together. We both, we listened to the same rabbi. We both heard the same words. And somehow when we both came home to share this Torah with our wives, it came out a little bit differently. Alberto is going to have it, not because I want to take it and twist the words to fit my life. That's not Torah Hashem. I was really there sitting and nullifying myself to understanding what Torah Hashem is. But in the way that I heard Torah Hashem, the same way that the tree is receiving the same water, the process of osmosis or photosynthesis or whatever it is, that process of the water being me'ubad, it being shaped and molded into the tree is going to come out differently in every tree. That's why every Jew has such a mitzvah to learn Torah. Why not just leave it to the rabbis? Clearly they could do more with it than I could. No, no, every Jew is a different tree. Every Jew is going to hear it differently and every Jew is going to manifest it differently. And if you don't do that, you're taking away from the Torah. Because no rabbi, to what degree he can ever reach, is going to be able to do it the way you do it. Their Torah will never be your Torah because that's the uniqueness. Ki Adam et hasadeh. In Sefer Devarim it says, Moshe tells us, Adam et hasadeh. Every human being has a tree within them. The, the Torah actually says it beautifully. He says every morning in Brachot, the beautiful Birkata Torah, Asher natalanu Torah temet, with the rest, v'chaye olam, he gave us the Torah, the Torah from Hashem. Now, what did I do with that? You implanted that Torah inside of yourself. When you take that Torah and you implant it, there's a tree that grows inside. Now it's your responsibility to bring that tree up. You can't just keep that for yourself. You have to do that. And where do we learn that this week? Where do we learn that this week? Sorry? This week we learn Yefe. You're saying that's a passing it on. Yeah. I'm saying even if you look at just the person himself. This week, where we just began, very, very special time period in the Jewish calendar. These weeks, we're in six weeks, are now called Shavavim. Have you heard that term, Shavavim? We have a lot of minhagim over the six yeah. weeks. Shavavim is an acronym. Shmot va'era bo b'shalach yitro mishpatim. These six parashot. It's a very, very sensitive. We'll come back to Shavavim a little bit later. But Shavim is, a, we have minhagim. There's certain minhagim. Some people say extra tachanun, extra vidu, extra tshuva during these six weeks. There's a, there's a minhag that we're extra careful with the way we speak over these six weeks. Extra careful. Shuvu banim shavavim. It's a time period of tshuva. That's what Moshe said to Amisra. Moshe Rabbeinu, this week, we just read it, said what to Hashem? Hashem said, go, go speak. Go bring out your Torah. What do you say? Lo ish devarim anochi. I'm not a man. I don't speak. I don't have that koch. What is the most popular pasuk in all of Chumash? Ve'idaber Hashem el Moshe lemor. My job is not to speak Hashem. I'm all about you. I nullify myself to you. Ve'idaber Hashem Hashem I say what you tell me. The words that come out, that's what the Mepharshim say, Ve'idaber Hashem Moshe lemor. Every word that came out of Moshe's mouth was exactly what Hashem wanted it to come out. He didn't have any influence, any personal intervention. He didn't try to twist anything to be his agenda. Everything came out perfectly like the tzaddik. There's no Torah. But wait a second. What do we call the last sefer of the Chamisha Chumshei Torah? Devarim. It's called Torah Moshe. Ele ha-devarim asher diber Moshe. Who's all of sefer devarim? The entire last sefer is just Moshe talking. Oh, suddenly he can talk. 
The last six weeks, of five weeks, of the world, of, of the Chumash, I should say, Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking his Torah. Suddenly now he can speak. What is Pasuk? Look at the next Pasuk. Look at, so when, when is Sefer Dvarim beginning? Source number eight. Thank you. No, no. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, thank you. Seven? What, when is he speaking? When does Sefer Dvarim begin? Moshe is about to talk to the people. He's about to give them rebuke. He's about to give them Perusha Torah. When is this happening? At the end of the 40s. What does that mean? The 11th month, the first day. What's the 11th month? If Nisan is the first month, what's the 11th month? Shvat. It's Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Ashte Asar Chodesh. Rishon Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Moshe says, today is the beginning of Torah Shabbat Peh. Ho'il Moshe be'eret ha-Torah azot. From here on, Torah Tashem becomes our Torah. From here, this is Rosh Hashanah, Shvat is the Rosh Hashanah to Torah Shabbat Peh. We are now beginning to take Hashem's Torah and to let it mold us and shape us so that we can impact the next generation. This is now our responsibility. This is now my tree. You want to know my tree? Read all of Sefer Dvarim. Read the rebuke, read the lessons, read the advice. How are you going to go into Eretz Yisrael? How are you going to build a nation? How do you make this a proper land? You want to hear? Ho'il Moshe Torah. On this day, on Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Moshe said, this is the time period. This is the time period when we make Torah ours. And so, we see here that the Midah of the month, Chazal take from this, the Midah of the month of Shvat is Dibur, our speech. Speech is a very, very, very powerful thing. We can't cover that in even one night, and sure not in a few minutes. You could speak about it, no pun intended, all, all year, and you wouldn't cover it. Dibur is a very big mechanism that happens in Torah. To understand Dibur, you could look at source number 10. There's a, there's a, a pitgam that is lesser known. It's in the Gemara. But it helps us understand the Sod of Dibur. It ha- it's actually in three p- places in the Gemara. But the one that I chose was at the beginning of, Sef- of Masechet Brachot, where it says, En chavush matil atzmo mi beit asulim. What does that mean? A person, a prisoner, can't free themselves from prison without help from the outside. This, the story over there was Rabbi Yochanan was sick. And he used Rabbi Hanina to help him heal himself. So the Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan wasn't on a level. He couldn't make himself heal himself. And the Gemara answers, mm-hmm. To get yourself out of a tough place, you need the help from the outside. A prisoner doesn't break himself out of prison. He needs help from outside. What do the rabbis teach us about this? What is the, what's the depth of this statement? The human is constituted by two things. The neshama and the goof. Right? The neshama wants so badly to just be connected to Hashem. It wants so badly. It's aspiring. It wants to do the right thing. It always wants to improve. It wants to get closer. Come on, like I know I want to improve in this way. The neshama is always pushing me. It's always digging at me. It's saying, come on, wake up, Yahel. It's time to improve this. You got to get closer. You got you to put in the work. It's time to fix. And what happens? It's stuck in a goof. The goof, the body, comes from the earth. It's material. It's heavy. It weighs on us. It's our prison. And there's this constant friction, this constant battle between these two worlds. That's, that's the world we live in. You want to get out of this prison? 
You want to get ula? What's get ula? Redemption, freed, to be freed, right? Any type of freeing the Torah uses, the word get ula, it's a very important word to know, ga'al Yisrael, get ula, means to be freed, right? I, even if you have land, you have real estate, somebody owns the real estate, you need to free the real estate, it's called go'el adama, right? To free anything, so I want to be, I want to have ge'ula for my neshama, how do I do that? What's the mechanism, what's the secret to fight this fight that we're all facing every day? Say chazal, that's called sod hadibur, speech. Speech, the words we use, is the mechanism that allows for the neshama to fight, that allows for it to be freed. It connects us to the ge'ula. There's, there's a, um, a rabbi, which I'm sure many of us have heard of, Cook, he, he has a take on this that completely changed my perspective on how I look at speech. He points out that the human eye, at face value, when you think of speech, you think of it as a manifestation of something that I'm externalizing. Right? I'm taking something that exists inside of me, a thought, an idea, a feeling, an expression, and I want to share it with somebody else. So it's a, it's a very externalizing process, right? It takes my state, and it's my ability to connect to somebody else, what's already inside of me. He says, get deeper, and you'll notice that it's exactly the opposite. What does that mean? He says, speech is an internalizing process. You want to make change in your life? You want to really change something? The way you do it is through speech. What you say, how you say it, what you choose not to say, those are the things that are going to change your future, not an expression of your past. You want to change something? You want to mold yourself differently? You want to shape something? You want to improve in some area? Your speech, the words you choose to use, how you use them, your tefillah, your Torah, you're refraining from Lashon Hara, from Rechilut. Those things, they're not an expression of your current state. They're how you move forward to improve your future state. It's a totally different perspective on speech, right? It's not that I, I speak to connect to somebody else, something that exists inside of me. I want to change something. I always say, how am I going to change? I don't want to change. I know I want to change. I know I want to improve this. How do I do it? Where do I begin? It's spiritual. It's not tangible. I don't know how to, where to begin. Says Rav Kook, say Chazal, says the Gaon Mavilna, say many, you want to know where to start? Speech. How we say what we say. Filtering, understand the power of these words. If I commit a little bit more of myself to tefillah, a little bit more to learning a little bit more, you know what? Those conversations I sometimes get involved in, they never do me any good. I got to figure out how to start navigating away from those conversations. Right? That care, that concern, that sensitivity that I develop, says Rav Kook, so beautifully, will shape you as a different person moving forward. It'll have the greatest impact. The greatest profit margins you'll ever find spiritually will be found through that process. We say in tefillah, it's in source number nine, right at the end of Shmonasr, right? Right where you finish Sim Shalom. Can you finish the Pasuk? Think about the words we say, right? If you open up your Machzor, especially the Sephardi Machzorim, where they have Kavanot, they'll tell you in, on the holiest of days, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, it's the most important line in all of Shmonasr, that, that sentence. At the end of Sim Shalom, right at the end, before you do a Lokai Netzar, you say, My words, my pen, my mouth, the words that come out of my, my mouth, 
be and my, my heart's desires will be what? Tzuri v'go'ali, by Geula. You want to bring Geula to yourself? You want to bring real redemption to the world, to your own internal individual world and that of your community and that of all of Kuala Yisrael? It's your words. I'm understanding that after 18 brachot, after talking about Rifa'inu and Slachlanu and Hashivinu Avinu, let me do tshuva, let me bring health to the world, let me bring all this peace, do all these crazy things. You want to do that? Understand Hashem, these words, they're so powerful. Hashem, let these words bring the Geulah to the world. Tzuli. Nugali. Tzuli is also. Tzul is, is, a, is a, what's it with the Tzur? Efeh, Tzur. In, in Hazini, you see seven times the word Tzur. Usually means a rock, but in the Gemara, it says that there's two elements to the Neshama. The Tzur, the Tzul is the most internal Nekudah of the Neshama. The Tzur is the point that is so deep in a person's Neshama that it can never be touched. It can never be tainted. It can never be stained. Right? It's the untouchable. Whenever a person decides, okay, now it's time, whenever they reach that point, it's time to start working, they start to build from their tzur. Hashem tzuri, Hashem is my rock, but Hashem is my rock. He has that nekuda inside of me that a Jew will always have, that's always there, no matter how low he'll ever reach or she'll ever reach, the tzur is always untouched. It's always there. It's the Savior. Actually, I have, um, it's okay to tell a quick story. Many years ago, we got to host uh, at the Schut of Hosting Chief Rabbi Sachs uh, in Los Angeles. And, uh, and he actually uh, told, told me a story that I, I never forgot about this exact idea. And he said, you know, after the Holocaust, after the Shoah, you know, we always have those, that, that span of years, the DP camps, right? And the displaced peoples were like, it was, it was really, really tough. It was a really, really bad time period uh, for all Jews in Eastern Europe. And there was one particular rabbi, I can't remember his name right now, and he was somebody that used to work with like teenagers. And he just, it was impo- nobody knew where anybody was. There were lists all over the place, names, nobody, it was just a big balagan. So he was lost as to what he should do. Should he leave? Should he stay? Should he do something? He decided, you know what, I'm going to do an Arab Shabbat. And I'm going to put up a sign on a thing. I don't know how many, how many teenagers are going to come. But they should come meet each other. There's got to be somebody who's going to do it. And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll get a minyan. Maybe we'll get a minyan. I don't know what's going to happen. So he puts up a sign, and they come. And he puts it around, and he sets up tables, and he orders all these challah rolls and all different stuff. And he says, maybe we're going to have... And these two, three, four people come in, 10, 20, 30. He says, before he knew it, he had like over 200 people in the room. And he's so uplifted. And he's like, wow, this is going to be... As he would probably say it, Geshmak. You know, this is going to be like the highest level. It's going to be so special, right? And he starts to daven. He's the chazan. And nobody's davening with him. Yeah, he's like, it's completely quiet. And he continues, says, you know, okay, mincha, kabbalat shabbat. Maybe they could sing a song, kabbalat shabbat, chadodi. Nothing, silent. He's like, all right, you know, he's trying to keep his spirits up. He goes to Shema. He says, well, every Jew knows Shema, right? Silence. Nothing. He's got nothing. Finish his prayers. They all go to the tables. They're so excited to eat. He's, he, he bought enough for all these people. He was excited to be with them, but he was, he was done. He, was, he felt so depressed. He said, I got nothing. There's nothing left of them. Like, there's nothing to connect with here. They can't say anything. What kind of truth? Can't say Shema Yisrael. What could be? And so he brings Hamotzi, and he says, I could, they couldn't even answer me Hamotzi. He continues to tell us what's going on, and he's sitting there completely wrecked as he's sitting in the meal. Everybody's eating. Maybe they know a song. You think they might know a song? He said there was a song, I don't know the song, but it was a famous song in Yiddish. 
the mothers used to sing with their children before they went to bed, before they say Shema, kind of like how we say Amalach So they have a song that they would sing. So maybe, maybe a few kids would recognize it because they were young. He starts to sing the song. He said, as soon as he started to sing the song, a few eyes around him perked up and they began humming with him. And then another two, three started to sing. And then on the right side, on the left side, in the back. And suddenly he said, before I could, I was by the second verse. And the entire room was not just singing, they were screaming, they were crying. He said it was like the most intensive therapy session you ever heard, you ever saw. But the place was just going nuts, right? The place is that I was crying. I didn't know what happened. And, and I leaned over and the guy explained, he says, listen, this is the song our mother sang us every night when we went to bed. Like, this is the one thing that stuck. And he looked at them at the end and he said to them, you know, Chevre, like, he may have taken all of our mitzvot away. We may have, he may have taken our tefillah away, our Torah. We may have lost it all. But there's a place inside of each and every one of, every one of us. It's called the Tzur. Is in a kuda, and in that place, you build through through words. You build through song. There's a place that's untouched that every Jewish neshama is going to have. You build through there. Sometimes you need to add a little tune and music to the words to, to wake up the neshama. But everybody could start from somewhere. It's untouched. You just got to find it. You got to figure it out. That's the tour. You think about Yom Kippur, the holiest of all holy days, right? You have Yom Kippur. I mean, it doesn't get more intense than that. I have to do tshuva. Hashem is deciding the entire year, not just for me, for my family, for the whole Am Yisrael, for the whole world. You think on such a day, on such an intense day, you think maybe you go do some chesed. You know, wake up, buddy, like go do some mitzvahs, go give tzedakah, go, go put on tefillin, go load yourself up with tzitzit, do something. What do we do? We get in a room and we talk. That's what we do. We talk all day long. We don't do anything. We're just talking and talking. The Rambam uses very specific language. Somebody who adds many more words. The more words you add, the better. On this day, how do we create ourselves? How do we change? How do we make tshuva? We get in a room and we talk. Because words create new realities. Hashem chose to create the world in a very specific way. How did He create the world? With words. There's a message. He could have done all kinds of nisim. When he had the makot now, how did he do the makot? With words. He's telling us, you think words don't have the power to create, but they do. You think your tefillah is just words. They're not words. You have the ability to create. With words. Like says abracadabra. There you go. <laughs> Except it's real. Yeah. I will no. pray with my words. That's, That's exactly right. what it means. That's right. The, the koach Hayetzirah, the koach to create, is a very, very powerful thing. Rav Kook talks about this in many, many places. But you think, he says there's two types of speech that exist in the world. There's koach, the, the descriptive speech, and there's creative speech. What's descriptive speech? Hey, what are you doing on winter break? I went to this great beach. Uh, it was, uh, the water looked like this, and this, like, okay, I'm describing my experience. Unfortunately, it's probably like over 90% of the speech we use. There's another kind of speech. There's dibur hayotzer, creative speech. Hashem is telling us, speech is meant to create. Your words can build. Your words can create. They have that koach. Yahushua, as he enters Eretz Yisrael, he says to the Shemesh, Dom, stop. I need you to stop right now in order for us to win this war. 
his koach to speak was able to change the course of the world. We're trained to not think that way. When we dive into Hashem, when we pray, when we turn to Hashem, we demand from Hashem, I want to create something new inside of myself. I know I can change. I can't do it without you. You're creating a new reality inside of yourself. What do we say right after What's the next words? Right after that, right after the word Begoali. The last paragraph. No, you're skipping one paragraph. Oh, you're right, you have two, you have two Yulei Ratzons. You're right, some people have one Yulei Ratzon, some people have two. The one that's two is at the end of Sim Shalom and at the end of Elokai Netzor. So some people say both of those, some people only say one. Some people bookend it. So if you say it after Sim Shalom, what's the next word? Elokai Netzor Lishani What's Right after I just said, what's the power of words? Do you understand the value? Do you understand what you create? Wait, if it's that powerful, then I can also do destructive things with words. I could build and I could break. Hashem, please, 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 make sure, make sure I'm so careful not to break the world with my words. I only want to do good things. There's many parts of the peh. There's lashon, the shinaim, the sfatayim. Everyone has a different chelik. The lashon, they call it the sechel of the peh. It's the thoughts. It's the brain of the mouth. That's the lashon. Hashem, there's thoughts behind everything that are going to come out of my mouth today. Please, Hashem, make those thoughts pure. Don't let me do anything. Don't let me say anything today that's about a personal agenda, about looking for more kavod in my life, causing more kinah in my life. Let my thoughts that lead to the words in my mouth, make them so careful that I should, God forbid, not hurt anybody. God forbid. Usfatai medaber mirma. Sometimes even when my thoughts are good, even when my thoughts are pure, even when my intentions are right, somehow the way they came out still hurt the other person. It's mirma. You know what mirma means? Cheating. Your words can cheat you. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to take him down. I was actually trying to say something nice. But somehow the way it rolled out and the way that that person received it still hurt them. So make sure that first of all, initially my intentions are in the right place. Make sure that my machshavot are in the right place, that I'm not looking for somebody like, oh, wow, what a tzaddik, oh, what a special person, or what a successful person. I want to really be tahor and kadosh for you, that everything should be. But even when I reach that level, even when I'm doing the right thing, please don't let my words also cheat me. Please don't make it that the person on the receiving end, no matter what my attentions are, could get hurt by that. That's sur l'shani I'm, sur- I'm searching for kavod. God forbid. What, what ha- actually, what happens after that? What's the next word? Nafshi ka'afartiyeh. What's nafshi ka'afartiyeh? A person with, what does dust do? Dust services the world. I use it, I need it, I walk on it. Hashem, if my whole life is dedicated to the service of others, of those around me, if I'm a giver, if I'm a Baal Chesed, and that's what concerns me, I'm not going to be looking for kavod. My intentions aren't to seek negative midot. I don't get stuck with it. Wait, 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 did you see the way he spoke to you? Did you see that? You're going to let him just step all over you like that? It's not my intention. I don't really care. It doesn't move me. You're going to just like, what is it? You know, in Hebrew, there's a word I really don't like. It's a slang word. You ever hear the word fire? You know that word? Fire, it's like, a, what? Push, Push over. It. Yeah, it's not a nice term. It, it ruins the word chesed. Sometimes it's really chesed, right? <laughs> it's not a fire. But, but it's like that. What do you mean? You're, you're a fire. You're a pushover. How could that be? You're going to let them treat you like that? It's okay. You know why? Because the reason I don't speak not nicely to somebody else is not just because I don't want to hurt them. It's because I understand the impact it's going to have on me. If I'm focused all day and how sensitive I have to be with my speech, I'm not going to let this little situation here where the guy cut me off from the street or the guy this and that, that's going to take me down. 
Do you know how hard I'm working to make sure that I build the world and I don't break it? Do you know how important the purpose of Dibur is in the world? Do you understand the place that speech has in this world and what it could do and how it could shape the world? You think I'm going to get lost in these petty little things? Am I bad? Me don't. No, they're not infant. They're infantile. They're little. But if I'm in that world, then of course I could get very lost in it. I can, I can fall to that. So I dove and I said, Kafar Kafar Let me be like the, like the Afar and the Aretz where I'm just servicing the world around me. These are the messages of Shvat. With this, I end with a bracha. I think is is is, uh, is something to think about. You know, last time a lot of people asked about the Sefer Yitzhak because we spoke about the letters, the connected, and the, the letter for this month is the Ot Tzadik. The Ot Tzadik actually kind of looks like a tree. It's a little bit like the, the shape of it. it. Even looks like a Yilana. It has a strong foundation. It goes up. It has a branch that comes out. The Ot Tzadik has a root. It's it's a very very deep concept. Last month Tevet was Ain, right? That's a different midah. So the Chazal say that when a person has their Ain has their eyes pointed to Shemaim, that wants to reach the tzaddik. What's the tzaddik? The tzidkut. Wait, who am I to be a tzaddik? Who am I? That's the Yitzhar, right? The Yitzhar loves to say, who do you think you are? Come on. We all know where you were yesterday and two weeks ago. And Come on, like, where are you at? No. If I keep my eye to the tzidkut, to say, no, I can, I can get a little more righteousness in my life, right? Then you take the ayin and the tzaddik, you put them together, and what do you have? Tree. You have an S. You have an S. You have your, your ilan. You're Elan, you're building, you're planting that tree, right? You're, you're, you're paying attention to how to shape your life, how to mold the tzaddik inside of you, how to bring out your Torah and your home for your children, right? You want to mold your next children? You have to, you have to refine that, that tree. You have to take care of it. You have to garden it. You have to water it. You have to, you have to put the right soil. You've got to take care of it. That's the Elan. The tzaddik, Bezrat Hashem, leads to Shvat, where they say, Shvat, Rashi Tavot, Shenishma, Besarot Tavot. To that Bezrat Hashem, We'll only hear of good things. You'll only hear of bracha. You give your children, Bezrat Hashem. They'll see this work on Midot. They see the parents who are becoming more sensitive. They hear how we talk. That's how they talk. The one way you don't teach kids how to talk is to say, don't talk that way. Do it this way. That doesn't mean anything. If two seconds later, Abba's speaking that way, that's what's going to teach them, right? If I want to work on my speech, if I want to impact the way that people speak in my home, if I want to teach my kids how to speak, the first and most important way... Ten times more valuable than anything I'm going to say? How do we speak at home? What happens when somebody comes and attacks me? How do I respond? Wait, Abba, you're going to do this? The best thing I ever heard. Best thing I ever heard in my life. I heard, I heard this from a child to his father. We were, we were walking out to shul, and the wife of this person had needed the husband. And it was clear that because she needed him, there was no shul happening. And the husband, without saying a word, put down his coat, went, took care of what his wife needed, and I watched this 13-year-old son walk to the center and say, you just missed Tefillah. It's a big deal. And he looked at his son and he said, but he needed us. And he was floored. You changed your child at that moment. You could say, treat your wife like a princess, treat her like a malka, treat her... You could say all those things forever, from today to tomorrow. That kid just understood what it means to have a malka at home. He understood it. He learned it right there. He absorbed the entire thing. And he said, that's how you teach. That's how we teach. We work our tree, we develop our tree in Bezrat Hashem, Shinishma Besarot Tovot Yeshuot Venachamot.